0: Hi, this is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcasts. Hello, and hi, and welcome to episode 49 of Amber on Podcasts. Thank you for joining me. Today, I am bringing you a brand new show. It's a podcast that I have never covered before. A show that is all about transformation, growth, and change, and everything that comes along with it, which is an exciting topic and something that I have had little training on. What do you do when you are going through a transition in your life? Whether that be a new career, Retirement, becoming a new parent, moving to a new city, starting a new relationship. All of us are either in mid transformation right now, or we know that transformation is inevitable and we want to be prepared for it. Either way, you are going to enjoy this episode. The title of this new and wonderful show is U Turns. And the subtitle is Because Shift Happens. U Turns is a concise and eloquent show that will leave you feeling supported and uplifted and hopeful. The hosts are two smart and kind women, Lisa Oz and Jill Herzig. Lisa Oz is married to Dr. Oz, and the two of them have worked together as husband and wife for a number of years, along with their friend, Jill Herzig. Now, Lisa and Jill have this podcast called U-Turns, where they interview people who have gone through change and made a shift in their purpose and their meaning in life. People who went from being one way to being a completely different way. Lisa and Jill also interview experts who are experienced in this field of work. Experts who have done research and participated in studies and gone to school to learn, to teach people how to live their best lives. How to be happy and how to live a meaningful life. On this episode of U-Turns, Lisa and Jill interview a brilliant woman named Emily Isfahani-Smith. Emily is an expert in the field of positive psychology. Positive psychology is the scientific study of what makes life most worth living. How to live better, be happier, live a life of character, and deepen our Relationships. Emily noticed that there was a lot of research on happiness and an obsession in our culture with happiness as the be all end all in life. Emily also noticed that this manic pursuit of happiness can backfire in a big way. When people direct their lives to pursue happiness the way the media directs us to, they actually end up feeling lonelier. Emily says, on the other hand, there is a different way of organizing your life and a different pursuit, the pursuit of living a life of meaning. There was one study that distinguished the difference between a happy life and a meaningful life. They said that a happy life is about feeling good in the moment. Having all positive emotions. People who are happy get what they want. They spend time shopping and taking care of themselves. Versus a meaningful life, which is about connecting and contributing to something beyond yourself in a community. Raising your children. Doing important work that you feel proud of. People who are leading meaningful lives are raising kids, they are volunteering, and they are starting companies and projects and pursuits in their communities to make the world a better place. Millennials talk about meaning a lot. Emily has studied this too, and she says that there is a lot of evidence that suggests millennials really care about meaning. But the way that they conceive of meaning can be problematic. They say things like, I only want to work at jobs that are meaningful to me. Or I only want to do things outside of my job that are meaningful. They put meaning up on a pedestal and believe that they have to work at a job that changes the world in some big way. Or that their life has to be heroic or epic or for the history books. They end up missing the point of what meaning actually is. And ultimately, later in life, feeling disappointment when those things don't come to pass, as they inevitably will for so many of us who end up leading ordinary lives that are wonderful, but maybe not the extraordinary lives we thought we would lead in our late teens, and twenties. Our culture attaches a lot of grandiosity to meaning, but there's really nothing grandiose about it at all. Emily's version of meaning is the meaning you construct for yourself in the moment, each day that make up your life. Meaning is why you get up in the morning, Emily makes another key distinction between happy people and those who lead meaningful lives. She says that happy people get a lot of joy from receiving benefits from others, while people leading meaningful lives get a lot of joy from giving to others. When Emily looked around at her friends and family and parents, who were all kind of stressed out most of the time but doing important work, not leading glamorous lives. They were attending a garden, taking care of children, being a caretaker or they were doing career work. But there is no place in our cultural conversation of well-being that values this kind of life. Emily wanted to honor this kind of life by shedding a light on it and defining what it means to lead a meaningful life. And the benefits Of it. Emily went on to write a book titled The Power of Meaning: Finding Meaning in a World Obsessed with Happiness. And she also gave a great TED talk on the subject. I will link that in the show notes. Emily has used this time in her life to focus on work that reminds us, that is, that it is meaning we are after, not happiness. Life is suffering. It is difficult and it's not getting any easier. Most of us wake up with anxiety that builds throughout the day. The happiness that we do eventually feel does not balance out the amount of suffering and pain we will endure. The only thing that can balance the amount of pain we feel is meaning. If we have meaning in our life, we can get through anything. It's meaning we are all after. Having a purpose. A meaning can propel you and push you through the good times and the bad times in life. Depression, alcohol abuse, and the opioid epidemic are all driven from a lack of meaning. Life is suffering, like the Buddhists say. It sounds sounds like a bummer, but when you drill down to it, And you think about all the ways on a day-to-day basis that we are suffering. We have anxiety about our status that we are never going to accomplish our goals, that we're never going to be good enough. Or I'm so stressed out because somebody I love is dying or sick. Or my kid is being bullied in school. There are so many ways that we can be full of anxiety and dread and hopelessness. The ability to manage that and push through it and be resilient in the face of it is a fundamental capacity that you have to master if you want to lead a good life. Emily says that the research is clear that the way to be resilient is to be able to find meaning in that suffering. Happiness, on the other hand, happiness becomes elusive the more you pursue it. You might have already noticed. When you do achieve happiness, it's never enough. It's a fruitless chase. The target is always shifting. As soon as you become happy, you want to be happier because you adapt to this new happiness level. You're looking around at all these people and you compare what you are feeling on the inside With what people are showing on the outside. And if you are someone who is always waiting for their big moment to get the thing, win the race, buy the house, and then you'll be happy, I'm here to tell you, you're going to be very disappointed because it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. If you can't find ways to enjoy your journey, to love your day, Today and find meaning in that, you cannot lead the life you want to lead. It's hard to live a happy life all of the time. Let's excuse ourselves from living a happy life and instead pursue a meaningful life. Lucky for us, Emily is our resident expert, and she shares four distinct pillars of meaning. Four things that she identified as patterns after studying research on what people are saying when they say that their life is meaningful. Those who lead meaningful lives talk about one of these four or all four or a combination. Number one, the first pillar of meaning is having a sense of belonging. Being a part of a community where you are valued solely for who you are intrinsically. This is pure and unconditional love. Maybe from a spouse or a partner, from a family member, from a close friend. Number two is purpose. Purpose is similar to meaning, but more specific. Purpose is about having a goal or having some kind of principle that organizes your life and is involved in making some kind of contribution to others. For example, you may want to be a doctor to go to work at refugee camps. Or Emily mentions a hospital janitor who said her purpose is helping sick people heal. Purpose comes in all shapes and sizes. The message to remember here is that meaning does not have to be grand. It can be a local, in-the-moment thing. One study showed that kids who do chores around the house have a greater sense of purpose because they have a role to play. Even if they don't like it, they are in a position where they're giving back and they feel needed. Remember, your purpose can shift It doesn't have to be a lifelong purpose. You'll play different roles throughout your life. Your roles might include son, daughter, parent, friend, boss, co-worker. In each stage of life, we transition to a new purpose, and our meaning may shift along with that purpose. It is a monumental shift in some cases. When I lost my job and was unemployed for over a year, I was very lost. I had no idea what my purpose was, no idea what I was supposed to do now that all my skills were rendered useless. Eventually, after much pain and time and confusion and work, I transitioned into a new purpose. I started my own business and started this podcast and started working as a consultant. I found a new purpose in new work that is completely polar opposite from the work I was doing before. It is challenging. It is demanding. It is confusing. But it is also new and rich and exciting. I love a challenge. I love to learn and I love to help others. This has become my purpose, but it was indeed hard one. One of the things that makes these transitions in life so hard is that there is usually a shift in purpose happening where you lose an old purpose and you have to find a new one, and that can be painful. During transitions, you're doing the hard work of growth and searching. One telltale ta- sign that you are growing as a person is when you are experiencing pain, then you know growth is taking place for sure. That is the upside of pain, dear listeners. You are learning and growing if you are in pain. The third pillar of living a life of meaning is transcendence. The moments of awe and wonder when you feel connected to something much bigger than yourself. A Buddhist meditator told Emily that he was meditating, and after weeks of practicing, all of a sudden his sense of self completely dissolved, and he felt at one with everything around him. People also describe this feeling when they see their child come into the world, In part, what makes these experiences meaningful is that they affect transformation in us, where after we have the experience, we come back and we feel more connected to others. And because of that connection, more wanting to do good in the world. Emily talks about a Berkeley study where the researchers had the subjects go out and look up at this 200-foot-tall towering grove of eucalyptus trees for one minute. After this experience of awe and transcendence lasting for only one minute, they had this increased feeling of connectedness and it transformed them. The way the researchers measured it is after they exposed them to the transcendent view, they had someone who was also working on the study but was undercover drop a case of pens all over the floor. The people who had the transcendent experience were more likely to help the person pick up the pens than those who were in the control group who did not see the transcendent view of the eucalyptus trees. Transcendent experiences are meaningful because they lead to a sense of connectedness, and they reorient our lives in a way that makes us behave in a more meaningful manner. Emily says that religion is also a powerful portal to transcendence. So is nature and exercise. Nature is one that we are all starved for as a society. Listen to episode 31 of Amber on Podcast if you are interested in learning more about nature and its relationship to our health. Episode 31 is called This is Your Brain on Nature. And in that episode, I talk about the benefits of being in nature and its ability to make you healthier. The fourth and final pillar of living a meaningful life is storytelling. And when I say storytelling, I don't mean the stories you are told, not movies or books or the stories society tells you. I mean the story that you tell yourself about yourself, the narrative that you craft about who you are, where you came from, and where you are going. A lot of people don't realize that they are the author of their stories. That they have the capacity to change and edit their story. If they are telling a story, that's holding them back. It turns out that many of us are telling ourselves a story that is holding us back. Psychology research in narrative therapy shows that the stories we tell determine how we think about ourselves and how we experience the world. If you are telling yourself a bad story, oh, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm not good enough, I'm always failing, and I'm a victim, it actually affects your sense of day-to-day meaning. People who tell these more negative stories feel that their lives are less meaningful than those who tell stories defined by growth and love, redemption, and forward movement. Emily said that in high school and college, she was always caught up in the success mindset. The idea of getting into the best college and getting a good job that allows you to support yourself and is prestigious. Doing this work has made her realize that the best way for you to think about success is by measuring it by whatever your purpose is. It's not about how many books you sell or how much money you make or what house you live in, but it is about the extent to which you're living out this purpose that is really important to you. Dear listeners, this was music to my ears. Finally, someone has given language to the confusion I have had my life. This particular part about being obsessed with success hits very close to home for me because I have been obsessed with success and status and measuring up for most of my teen and adult life. I am thankful to the brilliant Emily Isfahani Smith for sharing these bright ideas to help us all live a more meaningful life. I would not share all of this wisdom with you without offering solutions for you to get more meaning in your life. Emily shares two tips on how to find meaning. The first one is to take yourself out of the really toxic process of social comparison. If you were talking about making your sense of success and identity equal to what your purpose is. As soon as you start comparing yourself to others, whether it's on Instagram or your friend who's more successful in their career, you lose sight of what you are here to do. Remove yourself from that process of self-comparison. It's about staying in your own lane, realizing that we each have unique and important work to do on this earth. And what they do does not make me any lesser. Someone else's success does not hinder my own. There is more than enough pie to go around. I guarantee you that. The second tip on finding meaning is to focus on how you can shift your story if you are telling a story that is holding you back. Emily tells a story about a high school kid who is playing football and he gets a really bad injury and he ends up being paralyzed from the waist down. After the kid had this injury, he starts telling himself this negative story that he was going to live with his parents his entire life, never be successful, never get married. But over time, he started to reflect and think about who he was. And he realized that the person he was before his injury was actually a pretty selfish person. That he partied all the time. He cared more about being the life of the party than helping others. He cared more about his own performance on the football team than how his team was doing. This edit to his story that I can be a better person than the person I was before ended up changing his life and leading him to get a degree in counseling and mentoring kids in his career. It changed his life. The shift that happened is what psychologists would call a shift from a contamination story, a story that moves from really good things happening to bad things happening, to a redemption story that moves from bad things to good. Emily says that if you are telling yourself a bad story, start searching for the good and looking for the good outcomes as a way to get yourself back on the right path. Now, this could be a long process. It is also suggested to turn to others as the editors of your story. Or be that person for someone else. Help another person edit their story. Remember, Remind people of how great they are so they aren't so focused on telling their negative story. Give them something to counteract that story. Tell them the positive story, the redemption story. Do it for others and do it for yourself. Try to find the evidence that might help you to rewrite your story and make it something powerful and inspiring for your own benefit. It's important. To remember that as humans, we have a very strong negativity bias. Bad things happen and we are much more affected by them and much more likely to remember them. We have a a five to one ratio of bad to good memories. We remember five bad things for every one good thing. It's our evolutionary way of protecting ourselves from danger. So it's up to us to remember and remind others that the negative stuff is not an accurate representation of reality. Our bias is askew, and that is why we tend to negatively bias our perception of reality. Emily says to search for the evidence that contradicts the bad. The one good thing that came out of your experience. The silver lining. So that you can shift your story from contamination to redemption and live a more meaningful life, doing more good for more people most of the time. You know, living a meaningful life takes work and sometimes we can get off track. I'm so thankful for Emily and the wisdom and tools that she has shared with the world. The bit about success and social comparison hit home for me the most, and hearing Emily's point of view gave me a sense of calm and understanding of myself and others in a new and more accepting way. I hope that these ideas have done the same for you. Thank you so much for listening. I will link Emily's interview in the show notes along with Emily's TED Talk and a link to her book, all of which are worth checking out. Find all the links at mytalkingdollars.com. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast Join me next week for another conversation about living your best life and doing more good. Thank you. Love you. Bye.